We're calling it When Pigs Fly because actually some people think that they're sooner going to see pigs fly long before they ever see a miracle happen in their life. Now, we use the word miracle a lot. When uh, the Eagles stage a solid fourth quarter comeback to win the premiership, we think, wow, that was a miracle right there. It's coming up to summer, and uh, you'll soon, if you haven't already, start to see uh, some miracle weight loss solutions, things that you can buy that require absolutely no effort on your behalf, and you lose weight, get ready for summer, and it's a miracle. Miracles. We use this word a lot. The way we're going to define miracles isn't the same way the shopping channel defines miracles. We're going to define miracles very simply as this. A miracle is when God in heaven intervenes on earth. And the question we're going to be asking is, is this something that God still does? See, if you read through the Bible, you'll see God do miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Then you get to the new part of the Bible, Jesus enters the scene, and you see Jesus doing miracles, miracles of actually causing blind people to see, causing people that couldn't walk to be able to, to get up and walk. Heck, Jesus even raised people from the dead. Miracles were common around Jesus. But here we are 2,000 years later, and the question we're asking is, does God still do miracles today. And for some people, as I said, they think that they're going to sooner see pigs fly than God do a miracle either for them or for someone that they, they know and love. And one of the barriers that we have when it comes to miracles is asking the question, is God still willing and is God still able? Or is, or is He just the God of the past, just the God of history? That God did miracles in the past. He was willing and he was able, but that's over. That season's over and God's no longer willing or he's no longer able. Now, some of us can get past that. Some of us can think, you know what? I think God is still willing and God is still able because I've seen him do miracles for other people. I've read about them. I've seen them on TV. I've heard people share their stories and maybe in a church setting. So it seems that God is still willing and able but then you've got to ask the question, is he still willing and able for you and for me? And if we don't think that God's still willing and able in the current time we live, or if we don't think God's actually willing and able to perform miracles for us, then, then, then the essence of, the, 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 of us teaching about miracles, and in fact, the essence of you praying for a miracle is completely redundant. Why pray to a God for a miracle if we don't actually believe He's willing and He's able to do that miracle? So let me just start this four-week series. Let me just take the temperature, and I just want you to put your hand up if either you and or someone you know needs a miracle in their life. Just let me, just let me get an idea. I'm not asking what it is, but just give me an idea of, of whether it's like, because if, if it's only one of you, let's you and me just go for coffee and everyone else, and we'll just, we can, we can, but okay, that's a lot of hands. That's a lot of hands. So I want to really encourage you to be here for these four weeks. And again, we're going to be talking about, talking about miracles, miracles for you and miracles for people you know and love. Now, I'm really smart, so I read the Bible, and I've sliced and diced miracles into four categories. The miracles that God's done throughout history, the miracles that Jesus has done throughout history, we can slice and dice them into four categories. The first one 
is miracles of healing. Now, miracles of healing is probably the one that gets the most press, okay? We're going to be talking about that next week. And often when you talk to people about miracles, do you need a miracle? Often the, the default is, yeah, there's something, there's something wrong with my body, my brain, whatever it is that, that you need healing in. And that's important. There's miracles beyond healing. We're going to be talking about miracles of healing next week. I want you to be here for that. I want you to bring someone if you know they need healing. Also, miracles can be sliced and diced into miracles of protection. This one, I think, probably gets the least amount of press. Miracles of provision probably ranks number two. And this morning, I want to talk about what's the least, I think, the least uh, talked about or taught about, miracles of deliverance. And the reason I think this is the least taught about is people get a little bit nervous when you start talking about miracles of deliverance. Because some of us have seen the exorcist. And, and things get real weird real quick. There's heads spinning and green vomit flashing in all different directions. And we think, what? Well, don't get too nervous this morning. As a church, we're going to endeavor to be wired without being weird. Those are the same five letters, but the way you arrange the middle three is what matters. Wired in the sense that God, we believe His Holy Spirit, His miracle working power is just as available to us today as it has ever been throughout history. That God is just as willing and as able as He ever was throughout history to do a miracle in, for, and through you and the the people you know and love. That we need to be wired to His Holy Spirit, to His miracle working power. We don't, however, need to be weird. I will probably not levitate during this series. My head will probably not go 360 degrees during this series. I may not have my hair grow back during this series. Things aren't going to get weird, but we are going to get wired. So let's talk about deliverance. Some people actually don't believe in the devil and don't believe in demonic forces. And that to me is a little bit of a, of a head scratcher because the same Bible that we read that talks about Jesus' death and resurrection, promises us eternal life, restored a relationship with God, also talks about the devil and talks about the demons. And one of the, the biggest uh, cons that I think the devil's actually put out there is convincing us that he doesn't exist. Or if you've seen The Simpsons and you know he exists because he sits on one of Homer's shoulders, that actually he's real, but he's not powerful. That he's just like, you know, cute. That's not the devil and the demons that the Bible I read talk about. And so I want to just show you one slice that Paul wrote. And if you've got our Elevate app, you can tap the Bible section. It's going to take you to the only uh, Bible passage I'm going to drill into this morning, where Paul, now Paul, Paul was a leader in the early church, and he went around and established new churches in, in many of the, the capital cities and the major port cities around the known world. He'd train up a leader and he'd hand that church over to that leader, and then he'd actually keep in contact with those churches in the form of letters. And we've got some of those letters now, and they make up the majority of the new part of the Bible. 
And one of those letters he wrote to a church in a place called Ephesus. Ephesus was a major port city in what we now call Turkey. Um, and when Paul would write his letters, some of them he would, or the letters or parts of the letters would be encouragement. He'd encourage the churches. Some of it would be instruction. Some of it would be correction. Hey guys, I've heard you're doing that. Stop doing that. Start doing this. In this case, I want to share with you just a little slice where he actually gives a heads up. He actually puts out a warning. And this is what he writes, and, he, and he's trying to make the point to these people in Ephesus, the, the, the Jesus followers in Ephesus, that sometimes following Jesus is a playground, and we like that. There's, there's blessings, there's life, there's freedom. Sometimes it, it, it's a playground, and we, and we enjoy that, and we have access to that. But, it, but I want you to know that it's not all playground, that following Jesus sometimes is a battleground. And this is how we put it out there. Church. This is no athletic contest that we'll walk away from. He's talking about life here. And forget about in a couple of hours. No, no, no. This life is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. He's trying to show them something. He's trying to point out something to them that, that he's thinking they might not actually even be aware of. Now, it's coming up for summer. You might decide you're going to take up tennis or work on your game. So one of the things you can do is you grab your racket, you grab a little bucket of tennis balls, and you go down to your local court, and you think, I'm going to, this, this year, I'm going to work on my serve. I'm going to get that serve down, and I'm going to be acing like I've never aced before. And so you just get the little bucket of tennis balls, and, you, and you're standing on the line, and you're putting them up there, and you're putting them down, and, you know, every now and then one goes in. And you think, man, there's an ace right there. You're just kidding yourself because there's no, one, no opponent. You're just serving and, and no one's going to come back to you. But you get one in, you think, ace, I'm getting this thing. And before you even realize it, that tennis ball comes back in past you. And you're down love 15. But no one's even on the other side of the net. You think, so you get it again. Serve another one down, goes in. You think there's another ace, Bam, cross court, the other side. You're down love 30. No one's even on the other side of the net. And this goes on for three or four games. Before you know it, you've lost the game and you're thinking to yourself, what in the world is going on? And then something happens. You discover on the other side of the net is Roger Federer. But Roger Federer has somehow on eBay purchased the Cloak of Invisibility from the Lord of the Rings. Or Harry Potter, which I've never seen or read one of the books, obviously. Thank you to all the nerds out there. I appreciate the, uh, maybe we should workshop my messages together. So anyway... Some Lord of the Rings fan sold Roger Federer the Cloak of Invisibility from the Harry Potter books because he had no use for it because he was a Lord of the Rings fan, not a nerdy Harry Potter fan. And, and, and all of a sudden you think, well, no wonder these tennis balls are coming flying back at me. It's flipping Roger Federer. Only problem was I couldn't see him. And here's the reality. When it comes to our life following Jesus, all that we see is not all that there is. 
Paul's actually trying to help us understand that there's a whole nother reality. There's a whole nother dimension that whilst we can't see it, it's no less real. While the devil is not visible, he's no less active. All that we see is not all there is. And by the way, kids, this is the explanation of why bad things happen to good people. Because there's a devil on the attack all the time. And his mission is to stop you and I from experiencing the fullness of the plans and the purposes and the promises of God. And if he can do that, he keeps returning your serve. You can even make really wise decisions, prayerful decisions, the best decisions, and some of them don't work out because we've got an enemy and he's always returning serve. Your mean boss, that social media troll, and even your mother-in-law aren't actually your worst enemies. I'll tell you a mother-in-law story that I've been banking for years. No, no, I won't tell it today. Louis here. But, but when Louis's not, uh, then I'll tell it. I've been banking it for years. It's got to make sense, but I could probably squeeze it into a message just because, you know. Anyway. Now, there are ditches on two sides of the road, and I said to you we're going to be wired without getting weird. There's ditches on two sides of the road. When, when we start to recognize that the devil is real, that he's active, that he's against us. One of the ditches is we can start blaming everything bad on him. Oh, the reason I'm broke is because the devil stole my wallet. No, no, no. Actually, the reason you're broke is because you keep spending more than you earn. You keep buying stuff that you don't need. And a credit card company keeps giving you more credit. The devil, the devil was pleased that that happened, but he didn't make it happen, understand? everything's the devil. Man, that uncle at the Christmas lunch, he's the devil. No, he's not the devil. He may be friends with the devil. but so there's, a, there's a ditch on one side where everything's the devil, and some things are, but some things aren't. Some things, you know what? Sometimes your bad health isn't due to the devil. It's due to your obsession with the cheesecake shop. So here's the thing. The devil might be pleased with that, but he's not making, you know, the devil made me do it. No, he did it. Oh, that mud cake, I just can't resist. Well, okay. But then, but then that's the, this, is the, this is the problem some people make on the other side of the road. The ditch we can fall into is that nothing's the devil. And if we think that nothing's the devil, we leave ourselves, we, we, we're very naive, and we leave, leave ourselves very exposed. When you don't think you're under attack or could ever be attacked, and yet an enemy exists and comes attacking you, you'll lunch. Simple as that. Here's what demons do. First thing that demons do is they tempt you to sin. This is the Homer Simpson one that, that we may have seen. And, and the way that the, 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 the devil and the demons tempt us to sin is they, they do two things. On, on the front end, they actually minimize sin. Oh, it's not going to hurt anyone. Oh, it's not really that big a deal. Well, after all, everyone's doing it. I mean, it's not illegal, and just minimize it, and we can justify it, and we start to think, yeah, you know, just one, just, just, I'll just do, just, I can stop this anytime. This isn't going to cause in me or anyone else damage, and so the, the devil will try to minimize sin on the front end, but, but then when we do it, 
He then starts to maximize it on the back end. Ah, I knew you were too weak-willed to resist that. Boy, what are people going to say about you when they find out you did that? Man, God could never love you. Minimize sin on the, on, on, on the front end and make it far more accessible and permissible and then maximize it through shame and guilt on the back end and we end up in this kind of death spiral that we can't get out of because we're trapped. The devil's behind that. The devil and his demons try to distract you from God's will. Have you ever known, or this is going to sting, have you ever been somebody that's been so locked in to doing God's will, and then a season or two later, you weren't? And, and nothing actually really happened. You know, you didn't have a midlife crisis. You didn't buy a Harley. You, you, you didn't experience tragedy and loss. You just, you just, you were on it, doing God's will, and all of your priorities were shaped around that. Your finances were shaped around that. Your calendar was shaped around that. Your prayer life was shaped around that. Everything was shaped around that. You oriented your life, or someone you know oriented their life around doing God's will, and then they weren't. Again, this is something that the devil is behind is to bring in distractions and show us and try to get us to think that certain things are more important than doing God's will. And then the third one, and this is probably the one he gets the most publicity for, is to inflict suffering. The good news, this is, this is so bleak. The good news is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you actually have authority over the devil. That whilst we shouldn't be ignorant, we also shouldn't be intimidated. Think of it this way. Let's say you're a police person. Police man, police woman, police person. You're a police person. You got your uniform on and you're, you're assigned traffic uh, management. And you're out there in the middle of the, of the road, middle of the, of, of the uh, median strip. And a semi-trailer starts to haul down towards you on the wrong side of the road. And it's picking up speed, 10 kilometers an hour, 20 kilometers an hour, 40 kilometers an hour, 50, 60, 70. You're the police person with your uniform on. You have absolutely zero strength to be able to cause that semi-trailer to stop. And yet... If you stand and signal and tell that semi-trailer driver to shut it down, that semi-trailer driver is actually required to submit and to stop. Because as the police person, you don't have strength to make that stop, but you have authority to make that stop. And there's certain things that you may be needing miracles for right now and, you've, and, you've, and, you, and you know that you haven't got the strength to cause those things to change because some of you have tried. 
You've tried everything you know what to do. And here's what I want to say. You know what we're doing today and over these next four weeks is learning not just how to do things in our own strength, but how to take authority over the things, to see God's will done on earth as it is in heaven, that we can declare hallelujah here below. That it, Because in heaven, there's no sickness. In heaven, there's no death. In heaven, there's no relationship breakdown. In heaven, there's no credit card debt. In heaven, the things that you and your friends that you love need miracles for, those things no longer exist in heaven. And God has always wanted that to be His vision and His creation for, 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 for earth below. And yet the devil, he's completely opposed to that. But we don't have to be, we shouldn't be ignorant about that, but nor should we be intimidated because whilst we don't have the strength to overcome the devil, we do have the authority. Oh, it's very good. Yeah, oh, preach it. Come on. But when I shared that little slice from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus, I deliberately buried the lead. Smart ones of you, they'd open the app. You're like, oh, zing, and he's not reading this whole thing. I buried the lead. Here's the lead. I've already said, yeah, sure. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps, a life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. But here's the thing. As the... And as the angels, we call them demons, are to the devil, God's angels are to God, and they're more plentiful. They're more powerful. And this is what Paul talked about to this church, trying to get them to understand, guys, all that you see isn't all there is. Sure, about the devil and his demons and his tactics, but guess what? All that you see isn't all that there is when it comes to God and his authority and the weapons he's given you as well. So Paul said, so take, before he scared them, I don't know, I would have done it the other way around. But hey, that's probably why my stuff doesn't appear in the Bible. God knows best. Before he scared them, he actually kind of like, you know, forearmed them. All right, whatever. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials and put them to use so that you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws you away. Stand up to everything. Not stand up to some things. Stand up to everything that the devil throws your way. The devil doesn't cause everything. He causes some things. But whether he causes the bad things that, that have happened to you, the things that you need miracles for, whether he's caused them or not, he's for them. So whether he's caused them or not, he's for them, and therefore we need to actually take authority over them to do everything we know to do. If you're someone who suffers from uh, or struggles with uh, mental health issues, depression, anxiety, do see a doctor and or a counselor and continue to take authority over that situation because you need a miracle. If you're someone that's got some relationship challenges with a, with a spouse or in the work setting or a family member, maybe go and see some counseling, get some mediation, and continue to take authority over that situation. If you're someone that has some financial challenges, maybe self-inflicted or sometimes not. You, you got fired or, or, or that thing broke again and you hadn't budgeted for it. Get some financial advice from someone who knows what they're talking about and take authority over it in Jesus' name. If your kids are going rogue, 
lock their phone away. I'm, I'm not a parent and I very, very rarely give parenting advice, but here's one thing I know and have observed about effective parents. Kids don't make the rules. Parents are too frightened. If you have been a parent that's let your kids make the rules, you know they're going to torture you for saying amen to that statement uh, later on. Um, there's a great book called Kids CEO. I highly recommend it to you. But if your kid's going a bit rogue, enforce some discipline and continue to pray to Jesus and take authority over that kid's situation. If you've got some health challenges, see a doctor, improve your lifestyle choices, and pray with authority over that situation. And here's what we're going to do over these, for each of these four weeks. We're going to actually take a time to respond. One of the hallmarks of Jesus when he performed these miracles is, is many of them required the person who was ultimately the recipient of that miracle to actually do something in response to Jesus praying for them, to actually do something, or Jesus himself did something. There was often some physical act, some response that, that I don't know how, but that, that, that seemingly played a part in triggering these miracles. And so we're going to have a time each of these four weeks to respond. So you don't get to be pretending like you're sitting comfortably in your grandma's Anglican church. We're going to actually get up and move and do some stuff. Wired, but not weird. There'll be no flags. There'll be no tambourines. But, there, there, but I know, I know. Tough, 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 I know. Tough love, people. Tough love. No flags. No running. No liturgical dancing, but, but, but there'll be movement, and I want to do that now. You know, sometimes we think that darkness is the opposite of light. The truth is darkness is actually the absence of light. So what I want to do this morning is encourage us to let the light in. Encourage us to allow Jesus to shine his light into the darkness, into something that we need a miracle for. So in a moment, we've got the music team coming. In a moment, we're going to have a, a few of our team that we've uh, appointed. They're going to be down the front facing you. And if you want prayer one-on-one -on -one with one of our team members, just come down. You can just briefly share with them what it is that you want prayer for. You know, be as, as open as, as you're comfortable with the situation, and they'll pray for you. And they'll join their faith with your faith and take authority over that situation. And you will have noticed, hard to miss, we've set up, we're just calling this a miracle tree. And the tree itself doesn't have superpowers. But what we've got, what we've got is we've got some uh, uh, leaves. We may need to bring them up top unless I'm, my eyesight's not the best. Um, and uh, you can come forward and have someone pray for you and or you can go just to that tree and just write your prayer on one of those leaves and just hang that on the tree. And over these four weeks, we're going to continue to pray each week, be available. You can respond to have someone pray for you and continue to hang leaves on that tree. But we've actually got two colors of leaves. One color is gold and the other color is red. The red is your prayer. Jesus, I want to take authority over this. And the gold is when you've seen a miracle, that we want to actually see God during that, not next year, not the year after, but we want to see God now. We want to pray for him now to be doing miracles in us and through us. And so over these few weeks, we want to see plenty of red leaves.
praying for a miracle and a growing number of gold leaves of answered prayer, miracles that, that God's done. So no one's going to orchestrate this. Those uh, crew that are praying this morning, how about you all come down? One, two, three. And uh, just stay seated. Like, you know, not you. Stay seated for the whole time. And, uh, and uh, but although, obviously, unless you're coming forward to pray or going and uh, writing your prayer uh, and hanging on that tree, and the rest of us, just as we sit, let's worship. And uh, God is an atmosphere junkie. He, he loves to move in an atmosphere of faith. He loves to unleash his miracle-working power in an atmosphere of faith. And uh, we don't get to create the miracles, but we can certainly create the atmosphere of faith. And even if you're not someone who put your hand up that, that, that needs a miracle or one of the, someone you know and love needs a miracle, how about you spend this time praying for the people who do need a miracle, which, by the way, was about two-thirds of the people here this morning. Join together and let's see God turn some things around, create miracles in Jesus' name.